0: Welcome to the Living Hope Church podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. We pray that you are blessed by the sermon. Uh, We act as a resource, um, this podcast, to provide you with weekly sermons from our church um, and that you would be encouraged on your drive to work or encouraged at home when you're cleaning, that this would be an encouragement for you. And so we pray that you were blessed by the sermon today. So let's get into the sermon. If you would, please turn to, in your Bibles, uh, Acts chapter 2. One quick note before I get into it. Uh, you may have, on the Apostles' Creed, maybe the word Catholic caught your attention. Hopefully you saw that it was lowercase c. This was Apostles' Creed in the 3rd and 4th century. Roman Catholic Church was not around, doesn't refer to the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, it, Catholic means Universal. Uh, and so that's why that wording is there. So just so you know, in case you had questions, we are not becoming a Catholic church or anything like that. Okay. Um, but we affirm with them those words, the teaching of scripture. So I think that was, that was it. Uh, also, just so you know, this is going to look a little differently. Okay. We're going to try something different. Uh, when we go through the passage, I'm going to be, Dialoguing with you as we walk through the passage. So normally, normally what happens is you listen to me, right? <laughs> and as most of you respond is yes or no to simple kinds of questions. I'm going to be, this is going to be a little bit more interactive. All right. That's, that's my hope, at least. So, um, uh, so here we go. Uh, oh, I also just wanted to say thank you for praying for my family and I. Last week, we had a really refreshing time. On vacation, the Lord ministered to us, met us. Um, it was a beautiful setting. We got to stay in a refurbished farmhouse on a tree farm. I love trees. Um, I hope up in heaven, the Lord assigns me to be a tree farmer. Um, I just enjoy. I love working with wood. In case you don't know, that's one of my hobbies. Whenever I get the chance, uh, and so just to see trees around is just uh, for me. It just it just awakens my heart. And, uh, and so we, we enjoyed some swimming and, uh, there was a little four wheeler that we all got to ride around in on trails and stuff. It was just so thank you for your prayers. The Lord met us. Um, what is the church supposed to be? No small question. All right? How we answer that makes sense of what we're doing right now and what we do throughout the week. And this is the last of a series where we're dealing with. Questions that challenge believing in Jesus. And we've tackled some pretty tough topics, right? Because those are the questions that our culture, the world, the ones that we are called, when we leave these doors, our neighbors, our coworkers, the ones that we are called, each of us, not just the pastor, not just the elders, everybody is called to reach our neighbors. They have these questions. And if we are not equipped as a church to be able to deal with these questions then what does that mean for our neighbors? Can they see the light? Will they ever have a chance? Maybe God has called each and you, he's placed you in people's lives to be able to communicate the gospel, to be able to answer those questions. Because if there are people out there, if they had answers to these questions, guess what? They'd be ready to come to Christ. They would be ready. And so we deal with these questions to equip us To equip us, and so now we deal with this. What is the church supposed to be? Because guess what, this is one of those questions that people have about why they should even consider following Jesus. Let me give you a story from a while ago about Gandhi. Maybe some of you have heard this. While Gandhi was a practicing Hindu, Christianity intrigued him. In his reading of the Gospels, he read the Gospels, and Gandhi was impressed by Jesus whom Christians worshiped and followed, and we still do that today. He wanted to know more about this Jesus that Christians referred to as the Christ, the Messiah. One Sunday morning, Gandhi decided that he would visit one of the Christian churches in Calcutta. Upon seeking entrance to the church sanctuary, he was stopped at the door by the ushers. He was told he was not welcome, nor would he be permitted to attend this particular church, as it was for high-caste Indians and whites only. He was neither high-caste, nor was he white. Because of the rejection, Gandhi turned his back on Christianity. With this act, Gandhi rejected the Christian faith, never again to consider the claims of Christ. It was due to this experience that Gandhi later declared, I'd be a Christian if it were not for the Christians. Ouch. 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 Let me ask you this. Did those actions taken by our brothers and sisters back then at that place at that time help others to see Jesus clearly? No. And there's something in us that says, you know, they missed an opportunity of being the church for somebody. And as a result, they did not consider Jesus at all. Now, let me ask you this. Okay? This is one of those moments. I'm just trying to prime your pumps here about some interaction here. Think about today. Are there ways that you have seen or experienced maybe yourself by those who are followers of Jesus that seem to make it hard for others to see Jesus clearly? Uh, feel free to share a brief response. Have you experienced negative experiences by followers of Jesus and that's left a sad t- bad taste in your mouth? Or do you know people? who are not followers, who have experienced negative experiences from the church. Is anybody willing to share? I will. All right. I work with a guy that, um, he says he's a devout Christian. Actually, he does some preaching on Sundays, but the stuff that he displays at work is not Christian-like. About anything, but sure. I mean, he kind of abuses uh um, the time that mm-hmm. he works, and, you know, he says he works more than he does. Mm-hmm. And he'll take some stuff from the office. Mm-hmm. Just abuse. And yeah. Like, and you see, I say it all the time to myself when you say you're a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that has an effect, right? Those, the, your other co workers around who see that, and if they have heard that he identifies himself as a a follower, they're like, well, how am I any different from that? Sure. Yeah. 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 Yes. Donna. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Joan, did you um, want yeah. to share? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I felt a certain distance mm. a sure an equal woman, sure. woman. Mm. I felt Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Anybody else yeah Was like criticizing him mm-hmm. in front of the group. And since then, my nephew will have no part of it. Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> what is the church supposed to be? Well, as we open up God's word and take a look, let's pray. The Father, we. We ask that you show up in power, in truth. We ask that you break down any barriers in each of our hearts, which wherever we're at, this morning right here in this moment, we ask that you break down any barriers that would keep us from hearing your word and from seeing you clearly. Right now, I'm just going to, at the outset, Lord, just confess for all of us that we have failed at some point in being the church. We have failed. And it is only by your grace that this church is almost 30 years old. It's only by your grace. Because we have failed so many times and in many ways. We confess that. We know that you Show us that, not out of hatred or condemnation, but out of love. Because when, we're, when you show us where we fail, it's a moment for you to come through. It's a moment to draw closer to you and to partner with you in this amazing work that you're doing. Both in us and through us. So lead us now, we pray. In Jesus' name. So I think 2020 will go down as a year where um, uh, it's a hard year, a lot of change, right? Anybody feel the change? I feel it. We've been feeling it for a while. I'm tired of it, honestly. I want it to be over, but it's not over yet. And in the midst of all that change, it can be really discouraging, We can hear news items from whatever source of news that you look at, and it can be really discouraging. And not only with the change from the pandemic, but we got an election year, which without it, without the pandemic, it'd still be a hard year, right? (laughs) Election years always bring out the best and the worst, it seems. And so we have been going through a lot of change, both personally and corporately, as a church, as a country we have been going through a lot of change and some of it is discouraging and hurtful and so when we address this question you know when when with, with those who shared you know I, I just there's sadness in me and i think of examples in my heart i think of um i think what chris what you shared your story it reminded me when i was interning as a youth pastor at a church here in medina years ago I won't tell you how long but but um but uh, one of the um, girls in the youth group had brought a friend. I think it was uh, her boyfriend. So this is the youth group, high school. They were dating, and um, and came the first week. I, you know, was really, you know, embraced him. I was like, oh, so glad you're here. Welcome. Things were going great. He came the next. I had given an assignment to the Sunday school, the youth Sunday school, and um, and he came the next week. Well. What I should have done is not been so, uh, like gung ho with him. And, uh, and I had said the week before that if you, to encourage the youth to memorize just a small passage of scripture, that I said, you know, there'll be a consequence if there, you'll have to do some pushups. Um, and so he came as a young strapping boy, clearly an athlete. And, uh, and he didn't, he didn't, hadn't memorized it. And, and now I look back, I was like, oh, man, it was such a big mistake. Uh, but I, I said, hey, you were here last week. You're here this week. You know, I was trying to have, have the youth, raise the youth up in the sense of challenge them. And so that was my heart, but it was misdirected. I should not have called them out the way I did. And looking back, what I wish I would have done is had them start the push-ups and then stop him, and and I would finish the sit-ups, or the, the push-ups, in order to illustrate what Jesus did for us. And I think, boy, that would have been much better. <laughs> um, and I wish I would have been able to, after reflecting, think, you know, I'm sorry I embarrassed you like that. Because guess what? I didn't see him after that point, and I don't blame him. Uh, but it just like, oh man, all those missed opportunities. Uh, failures of mine that I regret. And so thinking about these sorts of things can really weigh us down, okay? Right, right, we know we're messed up. We're a messed up church. Doesn't matter if it's this church or any other church in town, we'd be messed up because we're a bunch of sinners, saved by grace and only by grace. Amen? Amen. So every church is messy and it's going to screw up. And guess what? That can be discouraging, and my intent here is not to weigh more on our shoulders like, look how bad we are. That's not my intent. My intent is to lift our vision to Jesus because he has called us. And this is what stirs my heart, my friends, is what he has called us to. In the midst of our messiness, he has called us. I'm not just talking, trying to be romanticizing the gospel or or what scripture says. When I talk about, we are part of an epic plan. We are part of what stirs our hearts when we watch movies and the climax comes about. Man, is it going to, we are part of something epic like that. We're not some part of a boring social institution or a club that we come. We are part of an epic plan of God to redeem the world. And if that doesn't stir our hearts every Sunday morning, every morning you wake up, you're missing out. So I want us to lift up in the midst of all the distractions that we have right now in this place, in this time, in our country. We need to focus on Christ and his mission that he is beckoning us to. He's saying, come on, guys. The world is still there doesn't matter if coronavirus is still around us. Our mission has not changed. And so my heart for this message is that we would be elevated our vision and goal to what God has called us. That's that's the whole explains every message that I've given up to this point. And it's going to explain every message I get from this point is that we stir our hearts to the mission of God because there are people dying out there. There are people dying. Do we see that? Do we see it? And are we willing to pay the cost with our precious time, with the nice comforts that we have and enjoy, to reach the people? That's why we go over topics that they're asking, not ones that help us feel comfortable about ourselves. That's why we've got to dig deep into His Word, and we've got to understand the things that they're thinking and their ways of thinking so that we can communicate the gospel. First Corinthians, the herald of the gospel. We come with the message so that the audience can understand. We are not responsible for their, for their response. That is God's work. But our job is to translate the gospel so that the people that we're speaking to hear it and understand. That is our goal. That is the mission. And it's wonderful. But guess what? It's not in our own strength of power. That's why the story that Greg read... It's so pivotal. It's Pentecost. We need a helper. Jesus did not leave us as orphans. He did not leave us to ourselves. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And guess what? No matter what generation you are, you're a part of this calling. You're a part of this mission. God's not giving up on you. You're still here. So you're part of the mission. Whether young or old, we are part of the mission. That was not in my notes. (laughs) Let's take a look at Acts 2. Let me just say, uh, really quick, if you are not a follower of Jesus, whether you might be watching online, this great hope is for you. This great mission that uh, you're going to hear us, hear me communicate and, and try to stir our hearts with God's word we invite you to be a part of this mission. We invite you to come and see Jesus clearly through us. You're going to see broken people, but you're going to see broken people redeemed by grace. And we want you to experience that as well. So let's look at Acts 2. Let me read uh, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, so we're going to walk through this again. All right, I read it once. We'll walk through this again a little bit more slowly. And again, like I said, it's going to be a little bit different than normal. I'm going to be asking you to put in a little bit of work and looking at the text with me and telling me what you see. There are three groups referred to, either individuals or groups. Three different people or groups referred to in this passage. So I'll give them to you. They are the apostles, those who believed, and anybody want to tell me what the third one is? Well, uh, they're not, uh, that's implied by those who believed and those who didn't, yes, but there's another third group that's explicit, another third Look at verse 47. The Lord. Did I see did I hear that the Lord three groups, the apostles, those who believed, and the Lord. So let's take a look at what each one each group is doing. All right? So tell me, what are the apostles doing? Look in the passage and again it's up there or in your Bibles Tell me what the apostles are doing. Teaching. Teaching. Very good. Okay. Uh, I'm sure that they were a part of that. What does it specifically say that the apostles are doing? Yeah, so teaching. That's right. Good job. Okay. Yes, they are. Take a look at verse 43. right the apostles now there's a key preposition through okay it wasn't out of the apostles ability god was working through the apostles just the way that he is able to work through us today okay so they were teaching and yes yes we know that when when we see Descriptions that include all the believers. Yes, the apostles are a part of that. I'm looking at what specifically is said about the apostles. And they were teaching. And they were, the Lord was doing many signs and wonders through them. Those are supernatural signs and wonders. Those are not party tricks. All right. We see, if we were to keep reading, we'd see one of those many signs and wonders that God did through them by healing a lame man that everybody saw at the temple. Amazing things. All right. So what are those who believed, okay, the second group, those who believed, what are they doing? What do you see them doing in this passage? Oh, yeah. Good, yes. That's good. Keep it, keep going. What else do you see? Mm hmm. Good. Yes. They worship together. Very good. Mm hmm. Odd. Very good. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely. Okay. Did they add to their number or did somebody else add to their number? Okay. Okay. They certainly weren't absent in that. I agree. Anything else? They are the ones who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? So I'm just going to mention the few that I I, I didn't hear. If I missed it, I apologize. Um, As somebody said, fellowship, uh, breaking bread. Um, just so you know, throughout scripture, breaking bread often it comes, it makes us think of communion. Uh, and definitely that is part of the meaning there. Uh, but there's also the meaning of simply having a meal together. Um, close, intimate, uh, breaking bread together. Okay. So it could mean, uh, fellowship, just having a meal together or communion, uh, at this level. It seems like it could include both. Okay. Luke is summarizing a lot of what's going on after Pentecost. And so, so just so you know, breaking bread can refer to either one. Um, and the prayers, um, day by day. Did you catch that? They were going day by day to the temple. They were also meeting in each other's homes. They also received whatever they received. They received with gladness and generous hearts. And the other one I don't think I heard was that they also had favor with all the people. So uh, there's a lot going on here, right? And uh, Jonah already mentioned what the Lord is doing. Okay, so we've we've looked at the apostles, what they're doing. They were teaching and. The Lord was using them to do signs and wonders through them, supernatural events uh, to testify to the kingship of Jesus and to the kingdom. And then we looked at those who believed what they were doing. And they're doing a lot in this passage. And then finally, the Lord. He's the third one, and it says... Obviously, yes, he's present and working through the signs and wonders. I'm looking at specifically what he does, and it specifically says he was adding to their number David down on a daily basis. All right. Let me just ask as you look there, are there any other observations that you see in this passage that you that catch your attention that you just want to it's to share. Any other observations? Yeah. Yep. Good. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, that that's definitely what they were doing. They were selling their possessions, uh, so things that they had and also their wealth. So those, there's two words there to talk about it. It just means their possessions and their money. And they were they were releasing those things to help meet the needs of other people. Any others? Yeah, very good. That's Thank you, Don. I think, yeah, uh, look at the time commitment. Daily to the temple. Meeting in each other's homes. I thought I heard somebody else over. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, if Gandhi were there, he would be welcome too. Right? Yeah. Very good. I saw a hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Thought. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. There was somebody else I thought I heard. They were saved. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Great. See, That was fun, wasn't it? Interaction. Let me ask you this. So there's a key saying of Jesus from Matthew 6:33, "But seek first His kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added." When you read this passage, do you get the impression that they were following that command by Jesus? Do you think they were seeking first his kingdom? Yeah, right? I mean, they got it. Seems like we read it and it's like, they got it. And so that's why when we think about how we do church here in today, we, go, we often go to this passage, a summary passage about what the early church did. So if you think that they were in line with seeking first his kingdom, what makes you think that? I know some of you have already mentioned about time that they they gave up their time to meet on a regular basis. What are some other things that come to your mind that make you think, yeah, they're obeying, seeking first. They are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. What else do you see in the text that tells you they were following Jesus' words from Matthew 6.33? Okay, thank you. Good. They're praising God. Yeah. That's definitely part of seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. What else? What else makes you think that they're in line with seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. Makes me think of the words of Jesus, may they be as one as we are one, as he's praying to the Father. Unity, community. Any, anything else before I... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Thanks. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of think that okay, they're they must be on the right track. Right? And and that certainly seems to fall in line with Matthew 6:33, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Now, in Jesus context there, he's talking about things that we need like Food and clothing, okay? Not brand names necessarily, but food and clothing. And we see that, yeah, God was responding. He was blessing what the early church was doing. What, so looking at this passage, what would be another way that you might describe what the early church is being at this point? Okay, so, yeah, they're a group of people. They meet together. Uh, there's definitely something going on. God is in their midst. What would be maybe another word that we could use to describe this group of people that we read about? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. They, they were pretty close with one another, right? They were close. What do we call a very close-knit group of people today? A family, right? Do you think that fits, that they were being a family? As you read this, Is it like, yeah, those look like characteristics of a family. Do you think, am I, am I out to lunch on this? i making this connection? Do you see that? All right. The early church was being a family. A family. Okay. Another summary kind of question about this passage. What pronoun? Okay, pronoun, part of English language, uh, you, me, uh, he, she, these are pronouns. What pronoun do you think they had the mindset of the early church? What pronoun would they have used? Us or we? They were together, They had all things in common. They didn't see you and me as separate things. They saw in light of us, we, we are a family together. So let me ask you this, as you read this passage and you imagine yourself being there. Somebody used the word drawn in, others were drawn in. Do you think if you were there in Jerusalem at this time, do you think you would have been drawn into this? Yeah, why? What is it that, that this passage speaks about that draws you in? Great joy. Great joy. You mean they weren't like this, John? <laughs> you, you tell me they were happy? Yes. They were joyful? What else do you think would draw you in if you were at this time and place in history? Acceptance. Acceptance. Wow. Can you tell me? Do you mind sharing what's behind, like what acceptance? What? How do you see that? Well, it's, it's something that we all long for. It's something that we all long for. And when you talk with non-Christians, um, there's a, some of what drives their passion, their anger, is that feeling of rejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or acceptance from the culture or wherever. Um, that's what they want to seek a place. They want to feel like they matter. Yeah. I, you know, that's what I think. Yeah. Acceptance. You couldn't have favor with all the people if you were rejecting some. Acceptance. Is simply an outworking of love. Agape love. Is acceptance. God says, "Matt, is more in the midst of all your junk, your messiness, your failures. I accept you because I love you." He says that to each and every one of us. Yeah. I think our hearts are stirred because that's the community we want to be a part of. That's a family we want to be in. We want to be members. We want to be part of that we. We want to be part of that us. If that's the kind of community that is part of this group, that's what we want. Because why? It resonates with our hearts. God knows how to capture our hearts of a fallen world. That's why he did what he did with Jesus. So let me ask you this. And I, I gotta go there. This is the we gotta look at the truth. So we imagine ourselves back there, and we'd be drawn in because we would experience the love. We'd experience the acceptance. We'd experience God's presence. Now let's ask about today. What do you think our neighbors think of the family of God today by what they see? Whoop. Whats that? Yeah, right? Mixed message. And those who have wounded maybe would not see the "we." They would just say that me. Church is all about me. Do you think now, again, I'm not saying... Everybody would say that God is still using us, not only here, but also us as the church around the world, okay? So I'm not being all bad, but there's definitely a mixed response, and there's many people in our culture who just say that we, followers of Jesus, define the church as me instead of we. We. And we see here that the early church defined themselves as we, not to the neglect of the individual, right? Everybody came together to help meet the needs of individuals. Let me draw four. Family characteristics that are in this passage that relate to us as a church. And that is this. First, we see worship. Somebody already mentioned that. Worship. They went to the temple, not just to sing, but to pray, to get into God's presence together. And it wasn't just one day a week. There's also authority and power in their midst. We see this by what God did through the apostles. And he did it more outside the apostles. Okay? It's not just the apostles here. But at that time, it was clearly the apostles, those who spent the most time with Jesus. But the authority of Jesus was being displayed in their midst. We've already mentioned the community. We all long for that kind of community. That's what the family of God is called to be. There's also discipleship. Discipleship going on where people were learning the way of Jesus. That's part of the attraction. This is, look, we're doing, these things are happening because Jesus has brought in a new kingdom where he is king. And this is what life is like when you follow his ways. Hey. Come into this new way. Jesus, come and check this out. Look at what Jesus is doing. Then people will come in adding to their number day by day. And then what are they doing? They're learning more about the apostles that come from Jesus. So we see these four characteristics, four family characteristics in this passage alone. And these are the four strongholds that we are seeking to be true about us as a local expression of God's body here in Medina, Ohio, that we be a group of people noted for our worship, that we enter the presence of God and we roll out the red carpet for him that lasts for miles. He is welcome here. He is wanted. And we awaken our hearts. We stir up our hearts. Yeah, we come to church maybe a little bit tired. Every Sunday morning. Yeah, some of us have been doing this for decades. It's just part of what we do. If we wanted to stay asleep, we couldn't because we have such a habit of coming on Sunday mornings. We have to get up. But we come to stir our hearts in the presence of God together. And it's more than just a check. Oh, came to church. Check. I can go about my week. No, that's not what we see expressed here. We want to be a body characterized by authority and power that when we say Jesus is king and his name is not empty, people can come here and they see it. But not only that, when we go out there, they see it through us. This is not the only place where people come to see Jesus express to see his kingship. It's out there too. And that's what the early church did. They were not only in the temple together, they were also in their homes. They were out in their neighborhoods, wielding the authority of God by the name that is above all names. They were part of something epic, heroic, mind blowing. Here's what the Lord has recently been showing me. That when the church is not living up to her calling, it's because she has forgotten who she is. So let me ask you this Have you forgotten who you are? And I mean more than just saying, Hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus and I walk in his name. In my life, I want to be aligned with his ways because those are the best ways. Those are the best ways. You want to see his power move? You want to see his authority bring healing and restoration and wholeness to our world today? Let's walk with him. And that doesn't mean, okay, Jesus, you do it. Guess what? He's called each of us to go with him and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Over here, be fed. God has called you. I'm going to, he's called us the church to be. I want to get this right. The church is supposed to be the stupendous family of God. Now, if that made you smile, good, because then you'll remember it. We are meant to be stupendous. Stupendous means impressively great. Extremely impressive. Not in our own power not by our great ideas about how to reach the community, no, by the power of God that moves in and through us. When the world sees a redeemed heart, that says something. When, when the world sees things that could not naturally happen on their own or by our great strategies, but only by the power of God, that makes them look. Any objections that they've had, easily go to the wayside when they experience the power of God, that Jesus is not an empty word that we utter here. We say the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has all authority. And in Ephesians, in Ephesians, Paul says that Christ's authority is not just a little bit above the authority of Satan, not just a little bit above his authority about what Satan can do on this world. No, far above Far above. Do you believe that this morning? In other words, do you accept it as true and do you live it? Remember our definition of belief from weeks ago that you can believe something when you live it out, when you when your actions follow what you say you believe to be true. It's not mere intellectual belief. So if we are a church who says, yes, Jesus is king, but nothing's going on with that, then we are lying to ourselves. my heart, for us. I do not see this as a you, you and me, us, we. I'm trying to wake us up. I'm trying to wake us up. I've gone to labors of messages showing, showing that we are part of an epic plan, That is worthy of our lives. Worthy of our time. Worthy to be challenged by the truth of the word, even if we don't first understand it. Do you want to go before the Lord? I'm not going to ask that. Because... Guilt motivation is not part of the gospel. And the reason why I stop is because, you know, people might, that might motivate some guilt in our hearts. And I don't want that because that's not the gospel. That's why I'm just trying to point to Christ. He's our savior. He's our king. And he has called us to not some boring institution. He's not called us to mope around, and just live our lives from day to day. He has called us to something grand and majestic, and he wants to partner with us. He doesn't want to leave us behind. But guess what? Many churches today are being left behind because they're not willing to adjust to Scripture about how to do church. And if we are not willing to change, we are going to die. It's either abide or die. I've said this from the very, you know, I came across the file of my first sermon here when I was being interviewed. Abide or die. And boy, if that's the last thing you learn from me, praise the Lord, because that is it. It's either abide or die. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I want to end. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at time like, whoo, it's gone fast. All right. I want to end with a video before we close. And it's a video. Uh, so, Deb and I, we ministered to faculty and grad students in our last few years with Campus Crusade for Christ. And while we were there, we heard about a professor who had come to Christ who was. Uh, living in a le- lesbian lifestyle, uh, fully engaged in activists with the LGBTQ plus community. And she came to Christ. And when we hear things like that about faculty who are so hard-hearted, we rejoice. <laughs> we rejoice. And, and I want to show you a video that gives you a taste because guess what, folks? We have everything we need to see testimonies like that, what you're about to see. We are God's people. We are God's family. And I love each and every one of you. And I'm asking you, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's not let the pandemic scare us into holding up. We can still walk outside. We can still do things as the body of Christ. So let's get stirred up. Please uh, play the video.